Hey everyone, it's Harmon. We have a very special part two of a three-part episode on the history of Dolomite. Now you might know there's a new Netflix movie coming out starring Eddie Murphy playing Rudy Ray Moore who created the character Dolomite. So time to learn a little more about him. Before we jump into the episode, quick plugs. This Thursday, October 17th, 8 p.m. at the Red Room in New York City, I'll be doing my monthly show, Tale. So come down for that. Also, take time to subscribe, like, comment on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get Comedy History 101. It kind of helps us out. Why wouldn't you want to help us out? And without further ado. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. I'm waiting for Dolomite. For who? Dolomite. And tell him I want him out of here in 24 hours. And 23 of them are already gone. Oh, we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've seen it. We've seen, we've it. seen it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. We've lived it, dude. So what you heard there, once again, is a audio track from the trailer of the classic movie, Dolomite, Dolomite, which we talked yeah. to Dolomite, yeah. which we talked about last week here on Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon, and with me, of course, is one rat soup eating, insecure, <laughs> honky motherfucker, Scott Kalonico. Hey, Harmon, my name is Scott. I live in Europe, which is where the Dolomites are at. The Dolomites, yes, the yes, Dolomites, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird. It's funny that he calls himself Dolomite, but Dolomites. You've been there. You biked there. I did bike in the Dolomites, yeah. but he. Well, as we talked about last episode, which was part one on the history of Dolomite, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, the comedian who popularized. The character Dolomite actually didn't come up with the Dolomite character. It was a, as they called back in the day, a wino named Rico who would tell stories of this fictional gangster Dolomite at at where Rudy Ray Moore worked, which was Dolphin Records located in Los Angeles, California. And he was probably, Rico was probably living on actual, because they actually really have a real skid row, like a skid row in Los Angeles. They do. They, I mean, yeah. they have them in every city. In well, uh, New York, it used to be the Bowery. The Bowery in yeah. San Francisco, it used to be South of Market. Tenderloin. So, uh, no, no. But it actually used to be kind of where they have uh, uh, the Euro Bueno Center. It used to be the old Skid Row of uh, okay. San Francisco. Right. Just as a little trivia and a digression. But we digress because Rico brought the character of Dolomite to Rudy Ray Moore, who was a stand-up comedian of the time and decided to bring that character on stage, recorded his first album. This is all just recap, dude. Right, yeah. You know, like they do in in, in the sequels. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Brought brought the character on stage and decided to record an album in 1970 
Eat Out More Often. He recorded the album for $300. How did that album do, Scott? Oh, Harmon, it did fantastic. It did it did so well that people were clamoring for the Dolomite character. His uncle broke in on Dolomite. <laughs> now, Dolomite wasn't no more than three or four. When his uncle come breaking through the door, his uncle said, Dolomite, said, I want you to straighten up and treat your brother right. Because if you keep on with your dirty mistreatment, I'm going to whoop your ass till your heart stops beating. <laughs> and here's the thing, dude. So I actually listened to the uh, the first 10 minutes or so of the Eat Out More Often uh, album about Dolomite. And uh, yes. in- interesting trivia note. Are you ready for this? Are you sitting down over uh, there? I think I am, yes. Okay. Uh, Dolomite is from San Antonio. So Dolomite is a Texan. No, he was born in Arkansas nope. and then moved to Cleveland and then began his career in uh, sort of Milwaukee no, no, as that's, a tap that, no, dancer. That's, you're talking about uh, Rudy Ray Moore. I'm talking about Dolomite. Oh, oh, yes. you're talking really? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you pick that up? In oh, the okay. album, in the album, he actually says that 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 Dolomite is from San Antonio, which to non-Texans that translates as San Antonio. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's All right. See, see I do a little okay. digging. I do a little digging here. <laughs> what, what else did you learn about Dolomite? Being um, that this is the episode that this is about. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we'll go through. I guess we're going to be talking about the movie later on. But it is funny that, that we, we both you and I kind of heard this in a couple of videos. And I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Is that the actual, the actual Eat Out More Often album does make a guest appearance in the movie itself. Oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, we'll talk about it later. It was actually Dolomite for President. Oh, sorry. It's, it's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But the whole, the whole movie is very meta in that in the movie, they're talking about Dolomite as a person. Well, you that's know? what they do in yeah. fictional movies. They think the fictional person is who... In this case, the protagonist is right. a person but who's they, real they, in that reality. They specifically <laughs> mentioned that Dolomite has done some albums, so that's not really out of place. That that ah. Dolom- a Dolomite album would, be, yeah, that's that was the weird thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll so again, up. we're just we're just bringing you guys all up to speed uh, from last episode. So that album, Eat Out More Often, did crazy well. That three months later, uh, Rudy Ray Moore released his album. This pussy belongs to me. Oh, dear. And in 1970, both these albums reached the top 25 on the Billboard 200, which is crazy for, yeah. you know, a a comedy album. Yeah, coming out of nowhere. And self-produced. Self-produced comedy yeah. album on top of that. So was that it? Was that it for Rudy Ray? And also, yeah, produced in his basement yeah. with a microphone. <laughs> with his engineer, like you said, he paid 300 bucks for to come over and, and uh, make it sound good. Yeah, and once again, the character of Dolomite, uh, as we forgot to mention up front, is going to be a new Netflix movie starring Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore, which that movie drops on October 25th. And first of all, thank you, Netflix. Thank you for sending us a screener copy. Thank you, Netflix. So So we can talk about it on this episode. Ready for a Mike Myers <laughs> catchphrase? Yeah. Not. Oh right, no. What? <laughs> no, they didn't send me a screener. Do they say no? I they just didn't respond to my email. Well, not yet, dude. Give him a couple days. But anywho, so those albums, he would put out an album every three to four months of Dolomite, and uh, 
just to sum up the character of Dolomite once again, um, as it was described, the ultimate ghetto hero. He is. Bad dude, profane, skilled at kung fu, dressed to kill, and hell-bent on protecting the community from evil menaces. He was a pimp with kung fu fighting clique of prostitutes, and he was known for his sexual prowess. Dolomite. So, Scott, those albums did pretty well. Right. So, Rudy Ray Moore, uh, the next, next natural progression in his career, he decided he wanted to make a movie out of Dolomite. Of course, what happened there? Well, he went out and he hired probably one of the most famous sons of Oh, so the, 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 the studios just went... Go ahead, go ahead, Rudy Ray Moore. Make your movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Make your movie, Rudy Ray Moore. No, sorry, thank you. That's good. great. Uh, there you good. go. <laughs> no, no, your your character's uh, family friendly. Go make your movie. Okay, no, no, good. Or good. Was there any obstacles? No, no, good, good setup, Harmon. No, no, he he, <laughs> sho- he shopped it around. He shopped it around, and they just said all the studios were like. No, with the big hands pushing towards you know towards the camera, saying no. They're just like this is dumb. Nobody's gonna pay to watch this. This is like the, the biggest waste of time. We're not gonna spend uh, any money on this at all. Yeah, well, I think it was a lot, a lot to do with, like the language was pretty shocking. A lot of lot of lot of uses of the MF word. So much like how he produced his album, which was, uh, Scott, did he use a punk rock aesthetic, as you would say? I mean, no, I, I would say, yes, I would, even, even going beyond punk rock, I would say the punk rockers would say it's a DIY. Do it yourself, man. So he DIY'd his albums, right. which he made that his first album, $300, and mm-hmm. then that made the Billboard you know, top 200. Right. He did, so what he decided was he would do the same with uh, the Dolomite movie, right? And why so, just not? a spoiler alert: his budget was a hundred thousand, which he got from his comedy albums and touring on the road. And in the end, it made twelve million. Am I jumping ahead too nope. far? That's fine, dude. That's it's good. We we'll set up set up the movie and then we talk about it. So the movie did was did production just go easy? It's like oh my god, production's so easy. No, there were some problems. No obstacles. Uh, no, 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 no. no. There, there were pr- when, when the filming started, which began in 1974. There was, no, there was, there were some problems, dude. So, first of all, um, the film was directed by Derville Martin, who probably most people, you might have seen him. He's kind of a bit player in different movies. He was, a uh, guess who's coming to dinner? He was the elevator operator in Rosemary's Baby. Um, but mostly, uh, he's consigned to the Hollywood history bin because he was the original Lionel Jefferson. From the unaired pilot of All in the Family, so which uh, is really ironic because I was just at the Smithsonian where I saw the saw All the in chair. the Family chairs, and <laughs> even more ironic is our friend uh, Andy, who we saw when we taped Judge Joe Brad back way back whenever that was. Judge Joe Brad, he got, Judge Joe Brown, <laughs> yeah, he got nominated for an Emmy when they redid the uh, the Jeffersons. They did like a live TV broadcast. Like oh wow! Last, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, wasn't Woody Harrelson in that? Yeah, no, yeah, he, that exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. Oh, yeah? He was Archie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Andy did the Jeffersons part. There was like an out there. They did one show that was all in the family, and the one that was the Jeffersons. Andy did the Jeffersons, I think, which is funny, even more funny because he used to do uh, Lionel Jefferson back in the day when he was in college. But beyond that, okay. So back to back to the original uh, Lionel Derville Martin. Here's the funny thing: is that uh, Harmon. Uh-huh. Um, 
Turville Martin, when he was directing on set, he would enjoy um, a tasty cold beverage uh, or two that uh, I work with a lot of Ukrainians, and they would call it a vodka. So he would he would have a few vodkas on set where he would he would show up on set with a flask, and, and sometimes he would just kind of disappear when he was filming Dolomite. Yeah, but I heard so that was the deal. So yeah. first they wanted him as an actor because right. he was uh, kind of a known actor. Um, but to entice him and to get him as an actor, Rudy Ray Moore offered him also to be the director. Right. Yeah. And well, Durville Martin always hated the movie. He hated it in production, and he hated it when it was first screened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, but he was like the guy that kind of knew. Um, the Hollywood stuff, in addition to the uh, the director of photography, which was um, Nick Joseph von Sternberg, who was actually yeah, kind of Joseph the, von Sternberg's yeah, uh, yeah. son, kind of the star, the son of Hollywood royalty. Yeah, but he was just at he was just a student at UCLA at the time, right, so he exactly. was just you know if you're a film student. And again, these would be the type of movies you would be working on yeah, in but film he, school. But he's, and he's actually getting paid at the same time. Right. So, you know, you could see it was actually his first movie as a DP. To play and he was to, production manager right, as well. Right, but to play, like if I could reference another um, another uh, Reed Ray Moore movie, to play Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law, uh, otherwise Devil's <laughs> oh, you're Advocate. Oh, so many. No, no. Wait, I'm, spoiler no, alert. No, I'm yeah, just saying, no, I'm just right. saying to play. You Devil's, mean which co-starred Skillet and Leroy? Yeah, I'm saying to play to play <laughs> Devil's Advocate as endorsed by yeah. Petey. It's, he wasn't just a normal USC student. He was the son of a oh. pretty fucking famous director. who He also oh, yeah, happened yeah. He also happened to be a USC student at the time. So, yeah. they got Oh, him, is they USC, got not UCLA? Big huh? rivalry. Yeah, it was no, horrible. Not... Yeah, dude. Yeah, horrible. So again, um, all the studios turned it down. The, the big response from the studios was no one would ever watch this movie. Another obstacle was um, Rudy Ray Moore was, you know, he's supposed to play like the most badass pimp in the history of pimpdom. But in real life, he was kind of small and pudgy. Yeah, he was. He was... <laughs> <laughs> and you could, uh, we both, you know, within the last 24 hours have watched the original Dolomite, and he is pretty pudgy. He's a little, <laughs> yeah, he's a little, but he's not, he, he's stocky, I think would be a better word. Yeah, he yeah. also was in the military, so yeah. he's kind of built. But yeah. I think he was probably about like 48 or so. He was older, yeah, he was way older when he did this, which was the other crazy cool thing, you know, about it. He's just like, I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah, so at the time, he was living in the Dunbar Hotel in Los Angeles, which was, uh, it was condemned in 1974, and that's when filming began. And he lived there. He got to live there for free. And he took up the entire bottom floor of the hotel because they had him live there for free to prevent people from squatting at the Dunbar. Yeah. So that that became the main location of uh, Dolomite. Yeah. So, so that in like uh, alleys around the Dunbar Hotel. Yeah, and then they, they, they do have a prison at the beginning. I mean, that was uh, actually the, the the very first shot of Do, of Dolomite in the prison cell. It's like that is an actual prison, so you got to like give them props for that. Yeah. So the Dunbar was a bit run down. There was a lot of holes in the wall. So to cover up the holes, they put a lot of mirrors and velvet paintings <laughs> over the holes, which again. It, it presented a logistical nightmare because if you have mirrors, you're going to see cameras. And Scott, we just both recently 
watch Dolomite. What what do you see a lot in shots that's almost becomes like a character in the movie? <laughs> it is. Well, I've made a note. So like the first, so because it was weird because it's. Uh, Harmony, I get, get a little technical here, and I can't be, I'm not going to be correctly technical about all this stuff. And some of the stuff, when you do, when you film these things and you can see the boom, it's okay because it doesn't matter because when they're going to transfer the film later, that part's going to cut, get cut out. But in the case of Dolomite, they filmed it at a different ratio or they used a different ratio that was going to wind up, you know, in the film. So. Basically, what mm-hmm. happened is the the parts of the boom that they thought were going to get cut out weren't cut out. So, so the boom the boom does make a lot of appearances. I actually made a note of it. So, the the first appearance of the boom <laughs> is at um, uh, it's in um, buh, 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 buh. it's about um, uh, oh wait, I thought I had it. I thought I had it on here. No. Um, was it when they were at um, Dolomites Club, the Total Experience? No, it was way before that. <laughs> it was it was it was it was when the Dolomites telling the story outside to um, the Hamburger Pip. And you but can, there then was you can, a yeah, there's a hell of a lot of boom. Oh no, here it is. Here it is. Uh, I found it. Yeah. I found it. I found it here. So yeah, so I think it's about there's a the movie I was watching had about a a seven minute long in, uh, intro. So that means uh, so the, yeah, so it's about fifteen minutes in. You'll see. You'll see. They have they <laughs> Dolomite. There's a there's a, a name drop. There's a name drop reference. Dolomite drops a name drop to his shoes. Hush puppies, and it's the first time you see the boom. So it's about 15, 15 minutes in. Dolomite is my name, and f-ing up motherfuckers is my game. So that would be the fault of son of Hollywood royalty, yes. royalty Nick von Stromberg. Exactly. Exactly. In his first uh, uh, DP role, yes, exactly. <laughs> Learn nothing from his dad, but he did. But he did uh, follow up. He did work on um, uh, worked on hum- the rest of the Dolomite. Yeah, he worked on Human Tornado as well. So you know, he must have liked. Yeah, I think Tourist Trap or something <laughs> like that. A big Hollywood movie down the road. All right. But there again, that was a part of the thing that plagued it was uh, a lot of boom mics, uh, kind of shots of the crew in the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you get you get actors looking right at the camera. A <laughs> lot of bad. So the first thing I noticed. So here's the first thing I know. If we could start going, are we can start talking about the movie. If we could do that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I just so the first thing you see is like like this is the first thing because I th- always think it's a gr- it's a great first line because the first line that you hear out of Dolomite is uh you know the the some jailer says hey Dolomite the the warden wants to see you and the first line you hear out of Dolomite is what is that rat soup eating motherfucker want which I think is a great <laughs> a great first line but then yeah. when 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 the the warden calls him into the office and then there's this kind of flashback but they don't really signal it in any way so all of a sudden, yeah yeah that's <laughs> the flashback is like what is but that, it, but the oh. weird thing kind of just looks off to the right or right, something. yeah yeah but but the weird <laughs> thing is right after that then they have another flashback and they do the whole the they do you know when Queen Bee talks about it then they have all the effects and stuff but the very first flashback nothing happened it just all of a sudden you're like where the fuck are we now Yeah, (laughs) and again, you know, it's like we've seen this in like sort of Ed Wood movies and and The Room, you know, again, they're working under, they're just probably like just shoot and run, you know, one take for everything, Um, not really great at continuity. 
No, I'm, well, I mean, that's the th- the thing is, is it's like and no audio fades. No, and again, it's like if they were on Premiere, just put just <laughs> slap a little audio transition there to fade but, out the music. But the weird, <laughs> the, the weird part in that first scene is they do when Queen Bee has her flashback in the same scene. They do the fade out, like ooh, you know, they do the 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 the, the fade the out of focus thing, but then they don't do a Dolomite tells his story, which is like just it's a little like where the fuck are we now, you know? Yeah, again, uh, I think that just had to do with budget constraints because again, the budget was at a hundred thousand dollars. They ran out of that money, so what uh, Rudy Ray Moore did was he went back on the road doing comedy to raise enough money to do post-production. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Giulio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Too. Yeah, and I, I think that's the other thing that we mentioned. I think mentioned last episode, but like when they ran this by the censors, you know, they gave it they gave it an R, but they because they weren't quite sure. Like because a lot of the slang was lost on them. A lot of it was lost on me. Like I couldn't tell what people were saying. Yeah. So they they had to make a lot of cuts, mostly because of the visual stuff, like um, uh, sexual stuff and just like other like violence and stuff. They would just like have to. They, oh, and spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, there's also the where um, Dolomite um, uh, rips the guts out of Willie Green. Yes, with his yes, hand. Yes, <laughs> and uh, there's just a jump cut, <laughs> and they had to cut it out. So what they did was just cut it out. <laughs> and that was from, without a tra- like with a, with a jump cut. And that was <laughs> and, and even an audio jump cut. <laughs> and that was at the end, I think. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. even. I don't like. I'm. Is that was that the hospital scene? Yeah. Was it? Uh, no, no, no. It was before the hospital scene. Oh, so it was in the club. It was in the total experience. Right, the total experience. <laughs> but like, it's it's so weird. It wasn't. There was no big build up to it. All it was just like, yeah, it's really green. Then he's dead. The interesting thing is that. Um, on the Dolomite album, like Willie Green's mentioned on the Dolomite album, on the Eat Out more often. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. as the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's but, like he's but he's creating the the DCU, the Dolomite character universe. Some folks say that Willie Green was the baddest motherfucker the world ever seen. But I want you to hold on to your seat, hold on to them tight, cause you now get ready to see the story of me. Yes, me. It's like Joker. Yeah, yeah, because on the album, he's you know he's telling the tale of Dolomite with Willie Green. Yeah, um, exactly. But speaking of which, uh, do you know who did the music to it? No, uh-uh. uh, I forgot the composer. But uh, what uh, they wanted was a theme song, and Shaft was big at the time. Yeah, Shaft, so they man. just wanted a, a theme song. Yeah, so a theme song just talking about how bad uh, Dolomite was. So. Mm-hmm. That was the impetus for uh, the Dolomite theme song, which talks about how bad uh, Dolomite was. Oh, he's bad.
and the, the credits are pretty well done, you know, up up until you actually start getting into the movie, do you, you start seeing the the not goodness of it. One yeah, other I would say the music is pretty uh, oh, yeah, pretty yeah. high water mark. Yeah. Like the band that's in there is pretty cool. Oh yeah, cool. The, well there's a the whole dance scene at the uh, no, that's not the experience. Where, where does that dance? They have the, they go to another. They're at the total experience. Yeah, no, no, they go to the other <laughs> club. The total oh, experience oh. is kind of cl- closed, right? And then they go to the other club where they have they, oh, they, right, they, okay. they have like the dance numbers and stuff. Remember mm-hmm. the Dolomite comes out and does the scene. Yep. Yeah. I, I just saw that. it mere hours yeah, ago. I know, but I remember that club. <laughs> but here's here's the other um, thing I think our, our audience might want to uh, know about Dol- the other trivia bit. Um, Harmon, do you happen to know <laughs> what what uh, fabric doesn't Dolomite like? I, I, I don't. What, what? Really? Yeah, because remember when he gets out of prison and the, all the girls are handing him clothes and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I know he's like um, changing his clothes right, right in the prison. But he specifically line. mentioned – he doesn't like one type of material. Why don't you tell oh, us? Oh, okay. Well, there's a little build up there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so for those keeping track at home, Dolomite doesn't like cotton. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say cotton. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, who who doesn't yeah. like cotton though, dude? It's comfortable. Well, Dolomite. Does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So just to, uh, to, to, to again to end our thing about the music, I think the best theme song. Was the theme or best music was the theme to the hamburger pimp? Yeah, the was, creeper. Yeah, the creeper. <laughs> he had a good sting to him. So the hamburger pimp, who's uh, in the movie, um, Rudy Ray Moore got a real life junkie to play a junkie <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really. Interesting. I actually made a note about that part because they actually have um, when they go back to the hotel, which is the um, what was it, the Dur- Dunbar, the Dunbar Hotel, and you can tell you totally tell that's the Dunbar Hotel. They actually have that scene where he shoots up, and they kind of do a little close up of it. It's like a train spotting, you know, kind of shooting up close up. Yeah, I didn't. He turned his back when he was shooting. No, there's up, an so actual. There's that, but then there's an actual for real close up. They don't show the, the needle going in, but like it was like Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing about that, okay, and this is before we get to that, the when when Rudy Ray Moore it's kind of like right before the pimp shows up when, when Dolomite mm-hmm. Dolomite does his uh, first kind of poem in the parking lot. You remember that part? Yep. Yeah, and so he's t- he's telling a poem about the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. So just one thing I noticed here is that it's like the first line of the poem is like it was a, that day in May when the Titanic sailed. And actually, the, the Titanic sailed in April. So I just wanted to point Oh, my it. God. That's like, that's like a verbal jump, verbal <laughs> yeah. boom mic yeah, in the shot. Was, just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that was a, off by about a month there, uh, Dolomite. But I do, yeah. the thing is, the other thing I do enjoy mm-hmm. is when they have the credits, that, they don't say Rudy Ray Moore. They just say R.R. Moore. I think it's very professional. Yeah, there you go. But here's a few more other trivia things within the production of uh, Dolomite. So the script was written by one Jerry Jones. Did you did you check out his other writing credits? No, that's not the guy who did the Cowboys. So Jerry Jones wrote the script. Uh, and he's had a long kind of acting career. I guess he was on an episode of MASH, and his other writing cred was the other Dolomite movie. He played the role of FBI agent Blakely. Okay. At, good. In the movie, yep. but in real life, he ran an acting school, and a lot of the characters in the extras 
uh, that were brought in were actually students in his acting school. Ah, okay, good, nice. Kind of like uh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino and um, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yeah, what what was the, the thing with that? That was, uh, you remember, did you ever watch Dukes of Hazard? Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane? I can't remember the actor's name. Right, so Tarantino ran, brought him? No, the other way around. He was uh, he ran an actor's school, and Tarantino was studying acting there. And that's where he met oh, a right. bunch of people that were in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Oh, um, very cool. I will look, I'll, look, I'll look that up. I can't remember that guy's name. Yeah, so another thing was um, a big movie at the time was Enter the Dragon, which right. spun off a black exploitation movie, Black Belt Jones, in 1974. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rudy Ray Moore brought in a Howard Jackson who was part of the Chuck Norris Kung Fu schools. Yes. So he was the guy who trained Rudy Ray Moore, because you'll see a lot of Kung Fu in the movie. <laughs> and especially from pudgy Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> and that's so Rudy Ray Moore training with Howard Jones for a few months. And a lot of the Kung Fu fight scenes were actually students of Howard Jackson at his Chuck Norris endorsed Kung Fu school. <laughs> awesome, dude. There you go. And so, again, we were talking about uh, technical mishaps that happened on um, on on production. Um, they had no permits ever. Okay, yeah. <laughs> How that worked out for them? Well, they had no electricity at the Dunbar. So what they did was they hooked into a transformer, which ended up knocking out all the electricity for the entire city block. <laughs> all right. The crew, the crew uh, were paid roughly around two hundred dollars a week. The actors were paid around fifty dollars a week. But again, this is nineteen seventy four money, so that, that yeah. might not be too bad. Um, let me, it's probably pretty bad. <laughs> well, let me give you a little. So to go back to the movie, Harmon, like I wanted to uh, mention, um, on one scene in the movie, uh, one of the. Do you remember the scene where the hooker? This is kind of where they introduce the 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 idea of hooker karate girls, where one of uh, Dolomite's uh, hookers, or mm-hmm. excuse excuse me, one of Dolomite's sex workers, um, somebody tries to steal money from her, right? And she's right. like, oh, she's like, and the, and the gentleman says, oh, you're not, you're just, the, you think you're this hundred dollar uh, hooker, but you're only a two dollar hooker, and so he was actually yeah. pay, he was paying a hundred dollars for her, and I did the math on this, so a hundred dollars in 1975 was five hundred dollars in 2009 is is five thousand five hundred dollars in 2019. Yeah. And how much was two dollars? Um, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> extra polite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, five five hundred dollars for a night with the one of Dolomite's girls. You know, that's you know that's no small. Even now, that's no small change. From what I hear, I don't know. What are you usually? I don't know. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. That's what I hear. <laughs> that's what from that's, a friend. That's of the yours. word on the street, dude. <laughs> so the movie, the movie premiered in theaters in L.A. to mixed reviews, and we say mixed, uh, very mixed. Critics sort of hated it, but audiences loved it. Yeah, I mean, I could see I, this. I could see this being a big. This is still in the era of the drive-in movies or the two-for-one movie. I can still, I can see this being, you know, a favorite. You'd bring people to it. Uh, one reviewer said, "Dolomite is not fit for a blind dog to see." 
Uh, he said it, he is it, the movie is crude and rude, and that actually helped bring in audiences. Awesome, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, and again, so uh, did he? He rented out the theater in L.A. when it when it, when it uh, premiered, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's like a, there's a name for that. They call it. Um they call it four walling like when you're when you're trying to distribute a movie yourself and you go mm-hmm. into a town and you just you rent all the theaters you can you show the movie it's just that's four four walling I and think. and this is pretty ingenious um so he would go on the road doing stand-up comedy and so he would do like comedy early in the week and then he would rent out a theater in that town and all his week of doing comedy he would promote the screening of the movie. Um, and then when it came time, you know, for the movie, the show, like, let's say he's like playing in Cleveland and then he would play a club there and then he would rent out a theater and have the screening at the end of the week after his club appearance. And then he would pack out the theater. And when people would turn up, he would, I don't know if he would come out as a Dolomite character and greet people in the line, but he, or he'd greet them as Rudy Ray Moore. And he, he would just like really kind of work the line that, uh, you know, when people would turn up to see it. Yeah, I mean why, that that would be that would be awesome back in the day. You go and see a little live comedy, and then you could see a movie mm-hmm. with uh, Rudy Ray Moore like kicking some ass, man. You know. Yeah, but but you know it went hand in hand. Like his stand-up was really, in a way, you know, he'd make some money, but he'd also be, or maybe that money would just go to rent out the theater. Yeah, and but, but it, it it worked out really well because yeah. he rented out a theater in uh, Chicago. It was called the Woods Theater in Chicago, and on one day, it sold five thousand six hundred and sixty-seven tickets yeah, I for mean, Dolomite, right. uh, and it broke the previous record at that theater of Roger Moore and Live and Let Die. Yeah, see, I mean, it's not, it's not bad. And the, the thing, the other interesting thing is when I was going through the movie and watching, it, they do kind of make references to like what was going on with Nixon. And the whole uh, Watergate stuff. So that was like... Kind of oh, like, yeah, they have the evil, corrupt uh, mayor in there. Yeah, exactly. Was that the mayor? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not a crook. Uh, yeah, no, he, he made... The mayor... And then, but then they actually... The, the priest, the, the corrupt priest who's keep, keeping the guns, he actually... He, like, in his sermon, he says, like, yeah, he's like, these white people, they have all the, all the advantages ever, and they still have to steal, you know, and we're in the ghetto, and, you know... If we try to do the same thing, we go to jail. Very, very relevant yeah, of the some time. Good stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, they first went to American International Pictures uh, to see if they would distribute the movie. Um, their other movies were Black Mama, White Mama. Roger Corman, dude. Yep. yep. So, oh, okay. So that was like a big Roger Corman distributor. Yeah, I think I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if it, I think he owned it or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but they ended up turning down, and they ended up getting distributed by uh, Dimension Pictures. Okay, which you know later on, them? which would later on become would be the um, Scream people. Oh yeah, Scream yeah, was Dimension yeah. Pictures. Yeah, they were like oh, wow. they left okay, around cool. for a while. Yeah, yeah, they were around for a while. So, like I said, um, it got they sold you know at Wood Theater you know five thousand plus tickets um, and. At the time, another like a, a mainstream Hollywood movie made for seven million dollars to appeal to the same audience. Uh, Mandingo um, <laughs> was made for seven million dollars, and they made way more money than Mandingo. Yeah. So you think? I mean, 
it picked up because you can see. So what was the follow up to Dolomite? Or if we're moving on, was that that was um, Human Tornado? Yeah. So that's just is that basically just um, Dolomite Two, or was it the Monkey Hustle? No, it is. No, 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 no dude. Monkey Hustle. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, um, um, Human Tornado is, is Dolomite Two because it actually starts with Dolomite like coming off tour is where. It, so it's definitely it's definitely Dolomite. All right, and yeah. Nick von Stromberg. Yeah, was he worked on it again. Yeah. yeah, so there's yeah. there's that, but you know, we're talking about Dolomite. But what do you what what did you think? So I made you, I kind of made you go in for the long haul, Harmon. So what do you think about what you what do you think about watching all of Dolomite? Again, it's like uh, <laughs> you know, it, are you looking at it like it's the room where <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, is bad acting and all that. Or are you looking at it just like uh, Ed Wood, where it's kind of delusional? Or are you looking at it like they have no money and it's probably just hit-and-run cinema? And again, you know, it's sort of in the lines of a student film, you know, as, as far as just kind of, you know, get what we can for this amount of money. You know, I'm sure they would love to have... Uh, you know, had sets and uh, <laughs> taken their time, you know, with uh, and hired, you know, real actors. But, you know, they made they made it with what they can. So I, I don't think you could say it's like a uh, The Room or an Ed Wood. No, but, but did Rudy Ray Moore like the end product? Was he happy with it? Oh, Rudy Ray Moore liked it. Uh, DeVille, DeVille Martin well, didn't like, like it. Trunky McDrunkstein, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, actually, I think... Uh, Rudy Ray Moore said it made him cringe a bit when he watched it, right. and you could see the boom mics and uh, all the that, technical flaws. Yeah, just yeah, that would make anybody cringe. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. But other than that, I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, if you look at it for what it was, and also just kind of cool going out of the system and not going through what Hollywood had to go through because at the time they were still trying to do their Hollywood indie thing. You know where they would do like like car. What year? What, what year did Car Wash come out? Was it the same year? No, Car Wash was seventy six, I think. Uh, seventy six, yeah. So Car Wash was like the year after this, mm-hmm. and that was kind of you know kind of like putting black people for you know giving them their own kind of uh, community and whatnot. And this is like a movie about this this community of this car wash and that in total might was but that was like a mainstream Hollywood movie. Yeah. Well I don't know if you can compare, but I think one is probably on the shoulders of others because yeah, yeah. this movie went on to make, you know, fifteen million dollars in nineteen seventy five money when it was released on April twenty sixth, nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Which is which is pretty good. And then probably most of that Money went to you know Mr. Moore because he kind of financed it and set it up or did whatever. He was the guy who who shepherded it through. Ah, but I don't know if it's like completely sad news or he died penniless. But um, he didn't get the full rights from Dimension Pictures. They they retain like the rights to the movie. Right. Yeah. So he lost, he somehow lost the rights to Dolomite. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I think he got it in the end, from what I was reading. But there was like, yeah, it was caught, it was caught up in other places for a while. Yeah, and another thing was uh, when it was released on VHS, it was released in full frame mode, so 
you know, in, in, instead of like the cropping, what you were saying of right, like yeah. boom mics and crew members and shots, uh, that was enhanced uh, even more. Yeah, the VHS. Yeah, you can see you can see them even more. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what I'm curious to see what format they filmed it on. They must have filmed it in. I guess they filmed it in 35. I don't know. That would be in a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast, Armin. Yeah. Going to the technical features of Dolomite. Yeah. So I think maybe that does it for this part of uh, the history of Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore because we're going to be back next week. When we finally get a copy from the PR people from Netflix or the production company of Dolomite Is My Name. And we're going to watch the biopic and just compare it to what we've all know right now from our past two episodes on the history of Dolomite. And share our knowledge. (laughs) Any other takeaways from, uh, as, as a filmmaker, Scott, any other takeaways from the production of Dolomite? Yeah, I mean, I just want to touch up on my um, Roscoe P. Coltrane reference earlier about Quentin Tarantino. All I know, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia page, that Tarantino attended acting classes at the James Best Theater Company. So I don't know if that is James Best from... The Dukes, Beatles? Dukes of Hazard or not, dude. No, that's, that was Pete Best. So I'm just, I'm saying that for the record. But, uh, my, yeah, but that's the <laughs> crazy thing about, like, L.A. is, like, you know, again, it's like... You when you know I I went I did I went to summer school a couple summers in uh, in L A so I lived there you know and you would see all the time like all these acting classes you know offered by people you've seen right. on TV and you know and some of these actors you know you see them as you know from the Dukes of Hazard but you know if you backtrack their back catalog you know maybe they've had like a lengthy like Broadway career you know yeah, yeah. and that's just their only TV part so it's like you dismiss them as you know just this you know BC actor but you know you know some of them have like long careers on in theater I know I mean that's kind of the the premise of the movie that I wrote and directed which you produced called everything you want to know about sudden birth but we're afraid to ask it just kind of like delving into yeah this crazy training film uh, for police about how to give a baby that like why, you know why is this so weird why is this guy talk weird why why is this film so bad and then you find out why I said oh okay that's interesting Ah, which brings us to plug away, hey. Scott. You <laughs> take the ball from there. Okay, wait. I have to leave time for the my my great uh, intro music. Okay, yeah, okay. okay. Or reverb effects. <laughs> <laughs> that all is man. It's so sad. Um, yeah. Hey, Harmon. Thanks. Well, as it's mentioned, so I wrote and directed a film called Everything You Want to Know About Sudden Birth, but we're afraid to ask, which Harmon also produced. Um, we're be currently touring all around the United States uh, but you can see everything on my site scottclonco.com slash sudden birth I also wanted to mention a couple big big uh, dates we have uh, number one we'll be playing at the Doc NYC Festival in New York City on uh, November 7th was that it Harmon? oh oh if, if, yeah and they go November 7th at 9.45 at Cinepolis <laughs> uh, 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 Chelsea so if they go there will they get to meet the uh, co-star of the straight to DVD production of Juice. Yes, they will. The they will. So Harmon will be there if you want to go see. Harmon, Harmon will be there. Uh, we'll also be screening at the AFI L- uh, Los Angeles Festival in uh, LA at the Chinese <laughs> So that's pretty exciting in November. <laughs> but next you will see is at the Hot Springs Documentary, Hot Springs International. Hot Springs documentary, no, 
Hot Springs International Documentary Film Festival actually next week in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is actually a very nice town. So uh, uh, so just be looking around for us, and this will be shown. Also, just the last thing I wanted to plug Harmon. Harmon and I also do another podcast called This is the President, where we do all things with found presidential audio, and we have a YouTube channel. Uh, this is the president. Come check it out. Come look to a le- our. You can hear the podcast on Stitcher, Last FM, Google Play, everywhere you find your favorite podcast. And we talk about all things presidential, including the uh, the Trump tapes, JFK tapes, Nixon, anything else you want to know about impeachment. It's all there. Here, here, and I'll keep my plug short. Uh, Thursday, this Thursday, October seventeenth. I have my monthly show, Tale, NYC's Best Storytelling, at the Red Room, above the KGB bar, 8 p.m. We have someone who's, who's been a guest on this podcast. Joe Rayola is one of the storytellers, who is the editor of Mad Magazine Mad for Magazine. 35 years. So oh God, okay. come on out to that. Um, I also have a book out called Tribe Spotting, Undercover Culture Stories. Check it out on Amazon. Leave a review. And with that, what's that? Leave a review. Oh, yeah. Leave a review. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah in leave a review. Subscribe. And with that, oh, by the way, um, Jerry Jones, <laughs> Officer Blakely, FBI agent, <laughs> he also appeared on the Brady Bunch and the Cosby Show. Oh wow! Okay, nice. <laughs> oh, the Bill Cosby Show, which oh, is not the Cosby well, no, Show. Well, no, no, same thing, dude. And <laughs> and the and the Odd Couple, and here's Lucy. Oh man, with, with hell yeah. Oh, Tender Mercies yeah. with uh, Robert Duvall. Oh, Robert Duvall. Yes. Uh, Robert Duvall. Oh, and Hill Street Blues. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's had a long career. Anyways, thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll be back with the final installment of this three-part episode on the history of Dolomite. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Yes, ma'am. I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am. This is... Yes, ma'am. This is... This is the present. Hey everyone, Scott here. You just finished our Comedy History 101 podcast. So you like comedy and history. Then you should try out our other podcast, This is the President. In every episode, I dig up some found audio from one of our presidents and play it for Harmon, who's never heard it before. Then we talk about it. From Truman to Trump, we cover all your favorite presidents and not-so-favorite ones. You can also hear Harmon sounding off about current events and the state of America today. And, if you're lucky, you might be able to catch us reading customer reviews of Trump products on Amazon. You can subscribe to This is the President on iTunes, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Just search for This is the President, subscribe, and together we'll make America great again.